Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Topper. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Our topic tonight, the role emotions play in decluttering. And with us in our virtual studio is uh, professional organizer, Chris Scrott. Uh, we've got a great show for you uh, tonight. Real quickly, um, our show is not, tonight is being brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. They're supporting the show, and we're also in, in celebration of that. They're going to give away two free editions of Attention Magazine. Uh, to get those, all you have to do is listen to the show, and we'll be releasing a secret word. Write down that word and watch two other shows and get the secret word down for those and email us at attention at attentiontalkradio.com. We get your email. We will, uh, we will get you the most recent edition of Attention Magazine and the next coming one delivered to you in a PDF format right to your inbox. Chad's got a uh, little tip that we're going to share with you today, and then we'll get into the meat of the show. Holidays can be an emotional roller coaster with family and your child who has ADHD. Remind your family members to stay focused and mindful and allow enough time to finish tasks. Use humor when appropriate and allow this time with family and friends to have teachable moments. Focus on positive experiences. To learn more tips, Visit Chad's website at helpforadhd.org. Thanks again, Chad, for your continued support of the show. For those of you who are not aware, Chad's the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. Um, We encourage all of our um, listeners and supporters to uh, become members of Chad uh, simply because uh, they're the ones that uh, help us speak with one voice on Capitol Hill or different regulatory agencies. Really, a, a strong chat is a strong ADHD community, and be a member, um, not only support the community, but you also get a lot of great member benefits, uh, blogs, Ask the Expert, Attention Magazine, and more. To learn more about Chad and become a member, go to chadd.org. Again, tonight we have a special show for you, um, The Role Emotions Play in Decluttering uh, with uh, Chris Strotz. This show was pre-taped, and I have to tell you, there's a lot of really, really good insights. If you've listened to me over the years, you know I love shows when I'm actually getting some ahas in the middle of it, and this is definitely one of them. Um, some unexpected things came out on her side and my side I think were really helpful. So with that, we're going to roll the tape. We hope you enjoy the show. Chris Scrott is the owner and founder of Organizing Maniacs, LLC, a productivity consulting and professional organizing service located in Ashburn, Virginia. Uh, Organizing Maniacs provides a service to those in the Washington, D.C. metro area. Chris is a certified professional organizer, certified professional organizer in chronic disorganization, productivity consultant, speaker, and business success educator. She holds a bachelor's degree in uh, marketing with a minor in business management from Old Dominion University. Uh, She's involved in the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals um, and is a member of Children and Adults with Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, daughter, and a contributing author to Attention Magazine. Uh, Chris was selected to provide aftercare support for the uh, Virginia participants on the A&E TV show Hoarders. Uh, You can learn... Um, about uh, Chris by going to her website at organizingmaniacs.com. With that, Chris, welcome to the show. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for having me. 
thrilled to have you on. Now, Chris, you've been doing, uh, you've been a professional organizer for some time, uh, but you've kind of found your way, almost a little bit of a niche working with uh, a lot of times with people with ADHD. You want to tell us a quick story about how you kind of got, you stumbled into that? Yeah, I started organizing Maniacs in 2007, and I lost my job as a project management to the economy crash, and I I found a professional organizer that was also a project manager, and I felt like, well, this would be a fun job. So I thought I'd get into the industry, and I, you know, I really thought I was going to help people put pretty things in pretty bins and really make their lives look amazing. (laughs) And of course, my first three clients all had ADHD, and that is not how it worked out at all. However, in that process, um, I really learned a lot about uh, how people thought differently than I did and how they organized information and their stuff differently. And that completely fascinated me because I had never really been around disorganized people before. Um, Or I probably had been around disorganized people before, but I hadn't noticed how their disorganization had impacted them on a daily basis. So those three first clients were pretty amazing at really helping me learn uh, what was happening to them and their brain wiring. And, you know, I'm a very curious person. So the more I worked with them, the more curious I got and the more I wanted to learn. Um, And that led me into all kinds of research that, you know, led me to Chad, led me to NAPO, uh, led me to uh, to ICD, which is the Institute for Challenging Disorganization. And, you know, how does the saying go? The rest is kind of history. <laughs> so, the way you said pretty things and pretty bends is kind of funny. And they said it doesn't work that way with this kind of crowd. When you're saying the first three clients, I'm getting a sense of if you had that mentality going into it, you must have been overwhelmed, kind of like with dealing with the reality that it didn't work that way. You want to just share that, like a little bit of that emotion experience with us? Yeah, my very first client. So, so I decided to start a business, and then I was like, "How do how do one start a business?" So I called like three people I knew because I thought like they're pretty smart. They maybe they'll know how to how I can do this. And I said, "I'm thinking about starting this business," and one of them said, "Like I have the perfect person for you to work with." And it. So I went to see this woman. She was a real estate agent, and she she had been an entrepreneur for a real long time and I had a panic attack at the front door because I was like, oh my God, can I really do this? Can I really help people? And then when I walked in, I was like, oh my God, she has so much stuff. I never, you know, I've never really seen that much stuff in a place. Uh, So I walked in, but she was amazing. She was so generous with her, you know, with her knowledge about her brain wiring. She was so, you know, she was so generous with how to run a business. And I spent two days with her and when I left there, I was like, pretty bins are never going to happen in some people's world, like specifically in this client's life. I mean, like I left her pretty organized, but I knew that it was going to be somewhat messy again. Um, but I also like lowered my expectations about what I thought people were going to want and need because I like when I panicked at the front door, I thought like, oh, my gosh, she's going to expect everything to be perfect, you know, like Martha Stewart's. And I was yep. like, I don't know that I can deliver that, but her expectations were literally like, can I find my kids, you know, permission slip in the morning when I have to get them off to school? Because one of her biggest fears, which had already happened to her, was that, you know, the kid would show up at school without a permission permission slip and then he couldn't go on the field trip. And that had happened 
and she was mortified for her, you know, for her son. She was mortified for herself. She was mortified because everybody was judging her. So that was one goal that she really had. She did not want to lose those pieces of paper that were really important to her and her children anymore. She just really wanted to have an organized uh, office that just, you know, she could find things. Mm. So you had said that when you left, you, was, you had put things away, but you knew that it was all going to kind of come back out a little bit. Why did you think that? Because the majority of my ADHD clients are stuff out people. So I think, and, and one philosophy that I have is that, you know, if you have everything out, then nothing is important, right? Because you're seeing everything, then everything gets lost. But if you can put the majority away, this is like the 80-20 rule, right? There's 80% of the stuff we have all over the place or all over our house that absolutely makes no sense to have, but we like to have it just in case. So I helped her put the 80% away that was completely just because, just in case, one day I may need it. And then the 20% of the stuff that she really needed that she want to find and see I've, I assume I made some like, you know, we call it formalized bins or formalized piles. Like I made them in a way that it was super easy for her to locate them when she needed it, but they didn't have to be in pretty bins or they didn't have to be away. They just needed to be in a place where she could put her hands on quickly and then get to the stuff she really didn't wanted. Well, I, said, I love how you describe that. And I love how you're talking about your experience getting into this. You know, it's, it's funny because our, our focus today really is emotions and they play into cluttering because I think really emotions are there. But I'm hoping to explain and give some people some examples so they can let, let go of the emotions a little bit. And I'll tell you, we did a show with Dr. Russell Barkley, I think it was April of 2018, talking about working memory and uh, nonverbal working memory and how many people with ADHD have to externalize things so they have to see it. And to your point, if you externalize everything that you have, like as a reminder, it's overwhelming and it really becomes invisible. And I know from my perspective in working with people, there's a, it's like driving down the road. If there's too much stuff out, you're off the side of the road on one side, but if everything's put away, they can't remember everything. And so it's this dance about how do you have enough visual reminders or visual things out that they deal with, but enough of it away so that they don't really get overwhelmed. And to your point, you know, pretty things and pretty things doesn't work that way. And so to a certain extent, there's this, there's this area that's difficult, I think, sometimes for them to really kind of manage and, and deal with it. And it gets emotional at some point in time because if there's too much stuff out, they get overwhelmed and they get stuck. But if they put everything away, they can't rem- remember everything. And I think that's a real trick to kind of manage. Um, and I'm hearing that mm-hmm. you're, you're bumping into this and you've worked your way through it and your expectations a little bit are it's not going to be perfect, but this is something the client's just going to have to deal with. you want to expand upon that and share your experience? Yeah, so I think I think the uh so I love applying the 80/20 rule, right? I and I think that 80% of the stuff that we are emotional to is also not use not useful stuff that we have to have it out. We just like the idea of, you know, I see a lot of the emotional things that people keep are like, you know, memorabilia and cards and photos and places I want to travel to. So it's the life that I aspire to have but don't necessarily have the time for. Uh, those are a lot of emotional things that people like to keep. So I would like to remind them it's like it's okay for you to like to have those things and it's okay for you to still have them in your life. They just don't need to all be out, especially like I do a lot of home offices with people. Uh, you don't have to have all of those things sitting on your desk, right? Maybe like yep. sitting on your desk, like your desk is a prime real estate space. 
and maybe you should have like a couple of photos of your family, but the majority of the space on your desk should really be functional things that you actually, you know, should be your inbox, your calendar, your yep. planner, or things that things that you get you need to operate your life. I also do a lot of work with entrepreneurs and small business owners, uh, self-employed people. Um, so they work from home, which doesn't have any structure, right? So you want to have on your desk things that help you have structure. And all of the other stuff that's emotional that you're keeping just in case, right? Maybe they can go on a bookcase or maybe they can go on a closet or, you know, and then keep moving it out, right? Can, can they go into the living room or can they go into the basement or like how far from you is it okay for that stuff to go in a way that it's not, you're not going to miss it if you don't want to get rid of yep. it, but they don't also need to be like at your fingertips every single day. So how often do you really need that stuff? is the question that I'm often asking my clients. Absolutely, absolutely. I tell you what, I want to go to a commercial break. And then when we come back, I want to start, like, naming some things and make it a little tangible so that people can begin to have some, just some ideas about how to kind of go about that. Uh, before we go to break, everyone, um, uh, check out Chris's website. It's Again, it's organizingmaniacs.com. Uh, they do a lot of work in the D.C. area. Um, particularly up there, I know we have a lot of a listener bases, so go check that out. And everybody, tonight's secret word is roll. Uh, again, the secret word is roll, like the roll of emotions and decoloring. And with that, we'll be right back after these messages. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Do you worry when your child is left out? Does your child have trouble making and keeping friends? Do they act out in school? Life skills can be challenging for ADHD kids. Learn how you can be her greatest ally. Get your parenting questions answered live the first Monday of every month in a Facebook chat with former Attention Talk radio host Caroline McGuire. She's the author of the upcoming book, Why Will No One Play With Me? Go to www.carolinemaguireauthor.com to learn more. Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change the lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. The average annual cost of attending college starts around $25,000. Students who have ADHD are at high risk of dropping out because they haven't learned the critical skills they need to succeed in school. Protect your investment with an EDGE Foundation coach, specifically trained to help students with ADHD and Executive Function Challenge make the transition from high school to college. Visit edgefoundation.org to learn more or call 206-632-9497 and use promo code EDGE to get your free college success guide. Hey, you parent or your kid who struggles with performance, motivation, or behavior? I'm Cindy Goldrich, parent coach and teacher trainer. Join me to learn how to reduce the chaos and stress and tackle issues such as motivation, setting boundaries, and increasing compliance. I've been helping parents for over 10 years through my nationally recognized parent workshop series, Calm and Connected. Join me for a live webinar, and it's now also available on demand. Go to ptscoaching.com to register today. That's ptscoaching.com. Make every moment count with Time Timer, a sensitive solution for ADHD time management. It shows how much time is left using a bright red disc that gets smaller as time passes. To place an order for a Time Timer, all you have to remember is timetimer.com. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by digcoaching.com. 
And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're here having a great conversation with Chris Scott, a professional organizer and the head of Organizing Maniacs. Uh, before the break, we were talking about how she got into working a lot with people with those with ADHD and how pre-things and pre-bends all the time doesn't really work that way. Um, and uh, before the break, she was also talking about the kind of the 80-20 rule and functionality. And, you know, Chris, one of the things that you, you hit on um, was like things that are, are like memories and stuff like that. And I know that I've, I, when I'm working with people with ADHD, sometimes I try to help classify. And I, I've, I've actually done an attention talk video on this. The notion of, of everybody has a museum. Um, and for me, I've got lots of things like from college, like my letter jacket and stuff like that, that I'll never wear that stuff again, but it's a symbol. It's kind of like proof to me that I did it. And I actually have a closet in my house. I call it the Jeff Museum. And I've actually done it to put everything there so I can identify that this is this thing that is memorabilia to me. It's a museum. I don't really need it out all the time. It's there because I just want it to physically have it or have a memory, and sometimes classification that I've heard, it really helps people begin to understand it's not just this shirt or this thing, that there's some symbolic uh, representation to it, and uh, as a means to kind of help them consolidate and not leave them out, and also actually begin to prioritize, because you can't keep everything um, in your museum, if you will, as a, as a tool to kind of help people think through that stuff. Have you run into any of that a little bit? I love that you have a museum closet. I want one of those. <laughs> Uh, and I think you, I think you should share a picture with the rest of us so we can see exactly what that closet looks like. Um, I, it's just a pile of chaos. Love, it is, but it would be cool. Um, I think that I think having limitations. So I love the idea that you have this closet, right? That you're limiting. I mean, most of us, um, especially in the DC metro area, like if you live in the suburbs, you have a lot of space. But if you live in the city, a closet may be a lot of space to dedicate to a museum, right? But if you live in the suburbs, maybe you can have a section of your basement that you can dedicate to that. So I like to always remind people, like, how much space do they really have to dedicate to having a museum? I like that word. And then I like to prioritize based on that. So if you have an entire basement and you have a lot of space, so of course you can have all of the things that you have from when you were a child. If you don't, then you may have to just sort and organize and make you know, diligent choices about what you're keeping, how how meaningful it is to you. And you said it earlier, which I love, is like if everything is important, then nothing is important, right? So uh, I think the same goes with our emotions and our and, and our things that we're keeping for memorabilia. Um, I also have two different two different thoughts about that, which I'm sure people are going to say it's conf- it's conflicting. I feel like, in a sense, like I'm you know I'm in my mid 40s, and I feel like my generation we are a little bit of the people that grew up without a computer, and then we have you know we have like spent half of our life with computers. So we have our feet in both worlds where we do have some photos, we do have some tangibles that go with our memorabilia, but we also have a ton of digital stuff. So I I often challenge people to ask them, like, are some of these things that you have there tangible, right, things that you could take photos on? Could you create um, a memory book, right? There are millions of companies now that you can send your stuff to and they can create amazing photo books. So can you create your tangible stuff into something that is like flat and simple and easy to store instead of having every single thing that you ever received when you were in high school? Um, You and I know each other, so I know you're like a super athlete. So you probably have a lot of that memorabilia that's kind of like chunky and whatnot. Yep. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Well, see, this, I like I like what you're describing here because it's a real good alternative to go through and take pictures of that stuff and you know make it flatter or, or really kind of digital. Um, one of the things in this process that I want people to be aware of because I want to relate a lot of this back to ADD is again not to harp on it, but I've learned a lot from Dr. Barkley and in our in our. Uh, interview that I referenced already on working memory is many times those with ADHD, they have to externalize their thoughts. thoughts. And, you know, Chris, you talked about, you know, sorting through their stuff. And for people with ADHD to actually sit there and stop and use their executive functioning brain to think about what is this object, why do I have it, et cetera, is very, very effortful for them. And they'll get distracted and they'll go off and do something else. But if you've got somebody else who sits there and says, you know, what is this, what does it remind you of? How is it where it's importance? That notion of responding to those questions actually helps many people with ADHD think. Think through what it is and actually sometimes begin to purge that stuff because on their own, just intellectually sitting there and kind of going by themselves is too difficult for them, but having an external person just talking to them out loud and having that conversation for them to make those decisions really can help them filter that. Have you noticed that in your experience? And if so, how's that manifested? Yeah, no, I'm a huge fan of accountability. Like you and I are coaches. I have a coach. Um, I have at least four people that I'm accountable to. I have two of them and I'm accountable to every single day. Like I have a call at 7 a.m. with one person. She's more like my business accountability. And then I have a 7.30 call with somebody that is more like a personal uh, accountability. And I use that every single day to like keep me focused on how I'm moving my life forward and I believe, that, I believe that if you are, you know, if you are ADD or ADHD and, you're, and you get distracted, the best way to do a project like that is to have a buddy with you, right? It, it is somebody, like whether it's your neighbor or your spouse or, you know, a child, somebody that you're telling those stories to. Uh, if you can be accountable to someone to say, okay, we're going to set the timer, we're going to set our time timer for like an hour, and we're going to, you know, I'm going to tell you stories about this box, we're going to document some of it, we're going to make some decisions about what to keep, what to get rid of, um, it will help you stay focused. Um, memorabilia is, in anything emotional, is very time consuming. Normally, I tell people, like, if they are super disorganized, that is not a project that you want to do as a first project, if you are super disorganized and your whole life is in chaos, that might be a project that you just want to collect all of this stuff in a bin. You want to label them and you want to wait until you get a little bit more organized because that stuff will take hours. Um, I did a photo project with somebody once and I thought like, this is going to take no time. We're just going to organize these photos. We're going to label them. It's going to tell me a little bit of story and we're going to send this off. Well, two years later, on a weekly basis, we had spent a lot, four hours at the time, talking about photos. So I never thought she was going to spend that much time working on that project. And she didn't think she was going to spend that much time working on that project, but that's how it evolved. So emotional, emotional organizing is very time consuming. Wow, that's great insight. I mean, really, really, really good insight. I, I never really, even, even I, I mean, I had some experience, but that's a, that's just a great story because it is emotional. It does take a, a, a fair period of time, and I like how you like kind of put it away and kind of come back to it. That's a wow. I'm a little aha right now, which I always love in my shows. It's just kind of fascinating to me. So, um, let me shift it a little bit. I, I, I've worked with some people before, and again, I'm not online. I'm just coaching them to kind of maybe even to go hire somebody like you or, or to kind of get a body double. But I find a lot of times people have a hard time getting rid of things because they think it has monetary value. And it's funny, I, I, case in point, I had a woman I was coaching not that long ago, and she had this poster 
um, a Transformer poster from a movie a couple of years ago, and she couldn't just throw it away. She had to. She thought it had value, and I'm like, well, what are you going to do? I said, well, I have to sell it on eBay. And in my mind, she's got ADD, so she's got to go online. She's got to set up an account. She's got to go through it. She's got to take some pictures. She's got to put it, and if they buy it, that's going to post. I mean, there's all these steps, and I'm like, ugh. So we, we went through a period of time where she was actually going to try to execute that, and then finally she put it out there, and nobody really wanted anything. She finally let go of it and threw it in the trash, which is monumental because she had never done that before. Um, can you just talk about your experience working with people who have things that they have a hard time letting go of because they think it has monetary value, when sometimes it might, but it's so difficult for them to execute to sell it to actually get the monetary, or it really doesn't have much monetary value at all? Yeah, that's a really good question. And honestly, I struggle with that sometimes. Like not that long ago, I was I was trying to get rid of some shoes that I had. And mind you, I have a shoe addiction. So I was like, oh my God, I should I should sell these shoes. I should give them to a good place. And and I went to like this long list of things I could do with those shoes. And then I was like, oh my God, I am being totally ADHD right now. I should just <laughs> donate the shoes to like you know, I have one particular local organization that I donate to, take the shoes there, and I should let them make a decision about how to best use the shoes, right? So I think what I see happen a lot is, uh, one, not just the fact that it has monetary value because we, we purchase it, we paid money for it, it meant something to us, it has, you know, it has value internally and externally, but we also want things to go to a good place. We want to know where our stuff is going to live. We want to know that whatever thing that we are, we're giving up um, is not going to just end up in the landfill, right? Uh, another quick story is like I have this cute little corner in my house that I wanted a little table to, um, to put in there. And um, I've been looking on, you know, Facebook Marketplace for a real long time. And then I found the perfect table. And I, as I read through the list, 12 other people that had one at the same table. So I took a picture of my empty space and then I texted it to the woman. I said, your table would look amazing here. I so would like to have it in my house. Guess what? I got the table. So she was like, she was like, she was like, oh my God, I just love the idea that my table is going to live in this beautiful place in your house. And of course, when I came home, I put the table together and I sent her another picture and I said, Oh my God, your table is so happy here. Right. So we want to make sure that our stuff doesn't end up in the landfill. And I think when we, we, we know where it's going, it makes us feel better. So I, I normally tend to tell my clients, like, you know, identify an organization that you trust that you like to give that stuff to, and then just take it over there. I also agree with what you said. Sometimes the things that we do have are not for donation. Like would somebody purchase a poster that was, you know, bent and earmarked yep. and written on? Probably not, right? So let's not burden the uh, the charities that we're donating our stuff to just because we feel that we have to be bettered um, by donating that stuff. Let's just donate the things that are really good to be sold. Judith Koberg has a little, uh, she has written a lot of books on chronic disorganization, uh, which, you know, yep. uh, ADHD tend to be chronically disorganized. And she says to have like a ritual, right? Like maybe you can put all this stuff in a box and like say a little prayer or send healing energy to the stuff or, you know, or have a gratitude moment or light a candle or whatever ritual you want to have that like lets you part with that thing. Like, lets you feel like, okay, I'm sending this box out into the universe. It's really given me a lot of joy, and it's fulfilled a lot of my needs. And I have really enjoyed having this poster 
but now it's clutter, right? It doesn't it doesn't suit me anymore, and it's unlikely to suit somebody else in the real world. So let's just send it somewhere, like the trash can. But like, don't think of the trash can as a trash can. Think the trash can as like a healing place for yourself to go to, and like you know, create these rituals where it makes you feel better in your body. That yes, I have to get rid of this thing because it no longer has any use in my life. But the, there is wow. no there is no other way for me to get rid of it but to throw it in the trash, right? So so make it make it look so it feels good for you to get rid of it. Wow, that's just absolutely brilliant. I never thought about that before. I, oh my god, this woo. Um, tell you what, I've actually got a, you sparked a funny story that's related to some of this. I want to kind of tell. So let's go to a break real quick, um, everyone. Our secret word tonight is roll again, like the roll of emotion, and again. Uh, Chris, clearly she's brilliant. Go check out her website at organizingmaniacs.com. And with that, we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Make every moment count with Time Timer, a sensitive solution for ADHD time management. It shows how much time is left using a bright red disc that gets smaller as time passes. To place an order for a Time Timer, all you have to remember is timetimer.com. You can't go off to college with them, but we can. Visit edgefoundation.org to learn more how an edge coach can help your student reach their full potential. You can also call 206-632-9497 and use promo code EDGE and get a free college success guide. Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? (laughs) Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay, do it today. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. All right, everybody, welcome back. We're here with Chris Scott having a spectacular conversation. And for our regular listeners, you know my favorite shows are when I'm having an aha in the middle of the show, and I just had two of them. Um, I got some stories. Chris has been very articulate in this space because we are talking about emotion. And one of the things that she said is um, kind of like donating your stuff to let other people make the decision on kind of where, where it goes. And I'll never forget I was coaching a woman with ADHD, and she actually wanted to start a little um, – uh, professional organizing business kind of on the side, and she was working with a woman one time, and um, she, they got a whole bunch of things together, and uh, the woman that I was coaching went out and got a list of, like, all the, the, the nonprofits, the donations, the thrift stores, and the different areas that they could donate it to, and actually went into the woman, and they went through the list um, to determine which places that she wanted more or less using Chris's vernacular to give to them to make the decision on what to kind of do with it. And it was uh, it was kind of cool because the person I was coaching was their idea, which I thought was brilliant. And the woman was exceptionally receptive. Like before she had, she was struggling, but she lit up and really, really felt good about that, which is, I thought was just fascinating. So it's just a, a thought, that notion of letting somebody else make the decision. The other thing that struck me, 
Chris, and the last thing about the rituals, as all of a sudden I took a flashback to my high adventure Boy Scout days, and we would go to Boy Scout camp in the summertime, and um, there was a time that I was there, but also uh, Eagle Scouts, a lot of times they would go around to, like, different organizations like the VFW or the VA or stuff like that, and they would gather American flags that had been worn out. And there's actually a formal ceremony of how the flags are cut up and burned and a ritual that you do to kind of retire those and in a very dignified and a formal way. And it just kind of struck me that I, I made that link between what you had described and that. And, you know, it's interesting to me because I've been a part of those things, and it's really powerful. Uh, and it, mm-hmm. You're sad to let them go, but you also know that it's kind of right, the right thing to do. And, again, really, really, really empowering. So it's kudos to you. Uh, for that concept, it's just, uh, I think it's, again, on the emotional side, it's a good way of, of parting from it. So um, thank you. Um, any other clever ideas like that that come to mind? Not to put you yeah, on the spot, so but. thank you. Thank you for connecting that to the Boy Scout because I think, I think that is like the perfect example of, um, of like processing an emotion right that that people can relate to in a way that is like if you treat every single thing in your house that you no longer want want to use it but it's completely uh, not useful anymore as an american flag and you go through that ritual um we can all relate to like the level of respect that we would have to some of the things in our house however it's okay to let some of them go um I I think I and I like the idea of like setting up uh a list of charities like um at the organizing websites uh at the organizing maniacs website we have a an entire page there's probably a hundred different organizations that we recommend our clients to use to recycle things to donate things to to the organizations that take things back that you know that you previously had that no it's no longer useful so there are lots of different ways to get rid of things in an environmentally friendly way which i am very environmental um my friends really make fun of me for that but i also think it's one of the biggest reasons why sometimes people don't get rid of things right because we just don't want that stuff to go into the landfill however my caveat to all of this is also you can spend uh, you know, you can make it a full-time job uh, out of disposing and getting rid of your stuff, and that is not necessarily always feasible, right? Sometimes when you're, like, literally firefighting and trying to catch up and trying to, like, you have limited time, um, you have limited focus, um, spending lots of time going around town trying to get rid of all these things is not practical. So I find that the ritual is the best thing that I have found that works for my clients because then they can just bless the entire box with all of these things that they no longer want or need that are not donatable. And then we can just move it into, you know, yep. into, um, into an area that is no longer in their house. So um, yep. I, I'm, I mean, I, I think that is like my biggest tip that I, I just keep going back to all the time. Um, I think prioritizing what we want, like the 80-20 rule is a big thing for me too, because we have a limited space, we have a limited time, you know, we, we have limited emotions, you know, you can't, um, I worked with a client one time and they have a significant house. It's very large um, locally and her entire basement. And I mean, like, this is probably, uh, a good like 3,000 square feet basement is completely filled with her children's memorabilia 
And um, they've been my clients for a real long time. And over the years, um, we have been able to, well, the first step was to just figure out what was there because everything was thrown in there. So it was really hard to understand the the massive amounts of memorabilia that was there, right? And then the second part is it's been over the years to like help the kids make decisions for themselves to what to keep and what to get rid of and what they want to have for their own children. And then through that process, also like letting go of some of the things that they don't, they don't want, they don't no longer need, but she's feeling the, the holder of legacy. And so I think the third thing that is really hard for people, and I understand that because I am in that generation right now, right? Where we have, um, I don't have kids, but I have enough kids in my family that I understand this, but and we have all of our children's stuff that we're keeping hold of memories and whatnot into the future. And we also have our parents' stuff that we're keeping the memory into the past. And, you know, our parents are also handing down to us all of our grandparents' stuff. And once again, we are the holders of the legacy. And we have a lot of guilt about that. We have guilt that, you know, our grandparents had these things for hundreds of years and our grandparents hand that down to them. So we have all of this legacy and furniture and memorabilia and photos that we just don't quite know what to do with. Um, and then we are just, you know, keeping it's this stuff. It's fascinating because I'm dealing with that right now. My father was he built furniture and did all that kind of stuff. And he passed away two years ago. And it's kind of funny because I have all this stuff that's kind of handcrafted that I know that years ago. Like he even built a bassinet for my kids and he would expect it to be handed down through the generations. But I know my kids aren't necessarily going to mm-hmm. use it. So I'm kind of dealing with the emotion of, of that because it's, you know, it's a big deal, but it kind of ends your, what do I keep, what I kind of let go, which is real difficult. And like you said, I've also, my son's graduating tomorrow from the University of Florida and I've got all his memorabilia at some point in time, I need to give it to him, but he's not ready to process it yet. So I, I, I just, framing that space out, I think was, uh, was, was, was kind of good to get people to think about. Um, Chris, there's one other area that I want to cover and I want to kind of wrap this stuff up. And that the emotion of stuff, like, and I'll use my father as an example. It dawned on me a couple of years ago that when you have stuff, when you have things that you think that you might use in the future, there's a cost to it. Either having having to pay for a bigger home and all the utilities that go with it, or the anxiety of the clutter. And when my father passed, I took three pickup loads of cardboard to the junkyard. He had cardboard everywhere. And what was interesting to me is if I needed a box, I could go get one at Walmart for like 99 cents. And I'm in a good-sized box. And that notion of sometimes having people and saying, listen, you're having all these things for rainy day. How much is it costing you to keep it as opposed to just going out and buying it new when you need it? And I have found that making that delineation, what's the cost to you to keep it, both the physical storage and the emotional storage compared to, listen, if you only need a box every once in a while, it's actually costed advantageous to throw that stuff out. And I found some people that concept has helped them get over the emotion to let go of just some of the clutter. Have you had any experience with that? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's an excellent question. Uh, I mean, like, if you just take a look at what the storage unit industry has done, um, you know, it's a multi-billion dollar business. Um, I just recently acquired a client that was in that situation. Like I was just explaining, she is like, you know, a little bit of a sandwich generation person. And the stuff she has is not junk, right? Like she has antiques and things like that that came from her family. But I calculated for her that over the last 10 years, she has spent over $200,000 in storage uh, fees 
And if you ask me, the stuff that she's hanging on to is not worth that kind of money, right? So I think um, an average person will have a storage unit for five years, which will cost an average like $20,000. So, so I always ask people like, is this, you know, is this crumpled up poster worth $20,000 to you? Because in the grand scheme of things, that's what you, that's what you're paying for. Uh, and I think sometimes, like, especially if you have ADHD, it's hard to quantify some of these things because you're just paying it on automatically monthly basis. So we're not really paying attention to it, right? But if you sit down and you look at it and, like, dollar per dollar, what you're saving over how much money you're spending, um, I'm going to say the majority of the time, and this is, like, not a scientific study. This is just my personal observation over the last 12 years, is that the majority of the time people are saving things they're not quantified by the amount of money they're spending. Wow. Well, I tell you this, you really hit home on $200,000 of storage for good stuff. That's like, that's a big dollar figure. I, I was just doing small stuff, but you do, you really have a point with regard to that. And I do know a bunch of people who have storage units and they put the stuff in there and that stuff starts to mount up after a while. And I like how you put that because for our listeners, I hope you, you, you shift your mindset a little bit and actually realize and identify the cost of carrying some of this stuff and maybe it'll help you kind of clear some of that stuff out. So anyway, um, Chris, any last uh, thoughts you want to share before we bring this to a close? Um, I think, I think my last thought is that, um, you know, I, I personally have a lot of guilt when I'm getting rid of things that are sentimental. Like people always, I get text messages from people all the time, like, oh my God, I have all these Christmas cards or these holiday cards. What do I do with them? And I was like, you people send them to you. You have enjoyed them. You have, you know, you have appreciated them. Unless they mean something really deep to you, just get rid of them, right? So I, I think yeah. like getting rid of the guilt that we feel about keeping these things is step into recovery. Right. If we can just alleviate yep. the guilt we feel, we're much more likely to get rid of this stuff. So uh, I just I would just challenge people to figure out, like, how can you feel less guilty? Is it creating a ritual? Is it giving it to a charity? Is it letting go or is it something that I really need to keep? So if you go through, like, the decision making process of answering these three or four questions and get, arriving at an answer, you'll be mar- much more like successful to get rid of some of these emotional things that are just, you know, not to quote Marie Kondo, but I love I love the way she said it. She said it best. Like if it doesn't spark joy anymore, just throw it out. Wow, wow. Well, Chris, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, great insights. Um, I think there are listeners out there. All of you uh, can certainly appreciate some of uh, some of the emotion that goes behind this. But hopefully, we kind of. Uh, um, lifted the hood a little bit and let you know what was underneath and gave you some great ideas. So with that, uh, uh, Chris, again, thanks for coming on the show. Everybody, to learn more about Chris, go to organizingmaniac.com. And remember our secret word tonight, roll. Catch us next week another great edition of Attention Talk Radio. Take care. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. 
Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.